Welcome to the Traveling Image Makers Podcast, your source of inspiration about travel photography. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride as we bring you on a tour around the world with our guests. This is episode 23 of the Traveling Image Makers podcast, and I'm your host, Ugo Che. My guest for this episode of the podcast is a photographer, entrepreneur, and writer, Sherry McKay. I got to know Sherry through an interview that she did for my good friend Valerie Jardin some time ago, and also for an article that she wrote for F-Stop Lounge. In the article and in the interview, Sherry tells the story of how she decided to become a travel photographer. What she did was just uh, leave her Melbourne home in Australia, fly to Los Angeles, rent a camper van, and then spend a few weeks driving coast to coast across America, from LA to New York. If you listen to the interview, I hope you will agree with me that Sherry's story is uh, very inspiring. She has a lot of funny anecdotes to tell as well. If you like the show, please leave us a review on iTunes. I would appreciate that a lot as well as if you uh, share our website with your friends on social media, on Twitter, Facebook, Google+. Remember, you can find all the links on the show notes for this episode at ttim.photo slash 23. Now, let's listen to my interview with Sherry McKay. Enjoy! So, my guest today is uh, Sherry McKay from uh, Melbourne, Australia, who I had the pleasure to discover while reading an article on F-Stop Lounge. And later I learned that she was uh, a guest on Valerie Jardin's uh, uh, podcast, Street Focus. And I was a great pleasure to, to listen to her interview and to discover about her trip across America. So welcome, Cherie. How are you doing? I'm very well. Thank you for having me on the show today. You're welcome. It's my pleasure to, to have you here. So can you tell us a bit about, uh, about Sherry McKay? Who are you? What's your history, your life history? Sure, sure. Okay, so I'm uh, a Melbourne-based photographer here in Australia. Uh, I've been a photographer for about eight years uh, and started out doing, you know, family portraits and that sort of thing. Uh, and then ventured into doing bag design, camera bags uh, for women only. Um, and I had that business for a couple of years before selling it. So since selling my business, I've been really focusing again on my photography and also my writing. Um, and I'm trying to find a way to merge the two. So to me, doing travel photography really seems like the best way to merge photography and writing and also see the world as I go. Yeah. Speaking of writing, I had in my... The previous episode, episode 21, with Jens Lennartsen, sorry, uh, who is a travel photographer and writer, and we discussed at length about the, the importance of writing in the context of travel photography. So it seems you are on the same, uh, aligned on the same plan with, with that. Yeah, it, it's, there, it's an interesting sort of role to try to move into, um, and I'm not really sure if I'm going about it the right way, but... Look, what better way to, you know, test the waters with travel photography and travel writing than uh, spend a six-week road trip across the US, really? <laughs> yeah, and I, if I may say so, your, your writing is, uh, is exceptional. I really love your – I discovered your blog recently and I was 
reading it all in preparation for this interview, and it's uh, very well written and uh, entertaining too. Oh, thank you. So it's um it is a little bit out of date, but that's okay. I've got a lot of blogs to do for my <laughs> actual trip, but <laughs> getting doing these podcast interviews are a really good motivation to you know get moving on those blog posts. So it's, that's good. It's good that you haven't written down everything yet, so people can discover new things by listening to this podcast instead of going and <laughs> reading your blog. <laughs> yeah. It's good for for uh, gives a little bit more interest to our interview. Very true. So Very you true. were talking about your trip across America. So um, how how was the idea born and what how how did that happen? Oh, look, it, it's something to, to begin with. It actually started about two years ago. I'd planned on going to the states to do one of Valerie Jardin's um, street photography workshops in New York and. I thought, okay, if I'm going to go to the States, which of my Facebook friends live in the US? And I noticed I've probably got 30 to 40 friends that I've known for quite a while online that actually live in the US. And I started to kind of think, wouldn't it be fantastic to actually drive across the States, meet all of my friends, and then do the workshop with Valerie in New York? Um, what ended up happening was I, cancelled, I had to cancel the trip at the last minute, so I didn't end up going. And it took me two years, so until last year, to actually have the opportunity to go. Um, and unfortunately, I didn't get to catch up with Valerie when I was in, the, in, in New York, but I, I think by the, the, the growth in my photography over that two years, I, I sort of had the confidence to do the street photography on my own anyway. So um, I, I bought a world map of fairly large canvas and hung it up in my office and I started to pin where all of my online friends live and kind of the planning took probably about eight months. Uh, and and of just focusing on where people live and just how am I going to go about it? How do I do it with you know as little budget as possible? And what what do I do with my images and the writing that I need to do afterwards? So how did you drive across the US? What kind of uh, vehicle did you use, and where did you stay? <laughs> so I I landed in LA and. What I had done is I organised to actually have a camper van. Um, so I was staying in a camper van and sleeping in the vehicle, which actually made it fantastic for doing, you know, travel photography or street photography because I had a home base. Um, all of my gear was always in the car. There was none of this unpacking and moving into different hotels as I travel across the US. And it, it also gave me quite a large amount of flexibility. Um, I didn't really have a strict schedule as such so if I saw something that I wanted to photograph I had the time to stop and basically kind of follow my nose follow wherever the road goes um I I love sunsets so for me I'm always about chasing the sunset and to have a vehicle to do that is is just you know you need to really mm -hmm. so it was um, very very American way of uh, traveling on the road yeah <laughs> It, look, it, it must be. I've got to admit, I did see quite a large number of motorhomes as I was driving, um, really big motorhomes. And, look, I know that Trey Radcliffe did something very similar only a couple of months ago in a big bus with his photo walks and things across the States. And probably in the back of my mind, it's probably where I got the idea from. Um, it just seems like the best way to travel to me, to be honest. I, I mean, I like driving. I like being behind the wheel that's relaxing. But at the end of the day, I like having a home, a home base, somewhere familiar. Yeah, it also reminds me of, uh, when was it, a couple of years ago that uh, David Hobby and Joe McNally did their 
flash bus tour across the U.S., traveling in a, <laughs> yeah. in a bus and visiting different cities and having uh, seminars and workshops there. It's, uh, <laughs> it's nice. And, and you've got a lot of space in America to, to park your vehicle in many places. It's a, maybe a little bit more difficult in Europe. Here we have so few parking spaces. <laughs> well, actually, that, that's the thing. I, um, I was researching my trip and, again, thinking, how do I do this as cheaply as possible? And I realized that in the States you can camp at Walmart for free, uh, Target lets you do it. Uh, you know, other other place, places there seems to be a lot of free camping. Um, but you know, Walmart doesn't have shower facilities. Uh, which it, when you're on the road for six weeks, you need a shower. So, I actually um, I'm a member of Anytime Fitness, which is a worldwide fitness franchise, and I realised I can actually use my gym membership to you know have access to a shower, a gym, even Wi-Fi, and clean water that's been filtered. Um, and often um, other facilities like lounge, desks, that sort of thing. So I actually use Anytime Fitness all the way across the States and I would arrive to the gym at like 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock at night and actually camp there overnight and literally I'm camping in the in a gym car park, <laughs> um, which some would say was a little bit crazy, but it, it served a purpose, so... Good. So it was very inventive on your part to come up with uh, such yeah. a scheme for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it it seems quite genius, really. But um, I'm not the first to do it. I know mm-hmm. that that's how a lot of bodybuilders travel around the states. Um, and I've heard of other people who actually have slept in camp in in sleeping bags inside the gym. So I'm not the first person. I'm probably not the last person to do it. But it was a fantastic way to travel because. Again, I had my vehicle, which was my home base, but then the gym franchise is so familiar. Every gym has, as I said, the lounge, the Wi-Fi, the water, the gym equipment, nice showers, nice facilities, and also really friendly staff. And I actually formed quite a few friendships just from people that I met at the gym who um, were kind of interested in what I was doing. So it was a really good way to travel alone but have friends wherever I go. So you mentioned... um we mentioned the topic of budget, basically. And I, I don't really want to know how much you spent, but I would like to to ask you more about sponsorship. I think you had some kind of sponsorship uh-huh. that would cover at least part of your expenses. So how did you get about finding sponsors? And uh, do you think this is something that, I mean, uh, travelers and travel photographers who are on a shoestring um, should yep. be, would be interested in because it's a way between... Uh, traveling cheap on a camper van and camping wherever you can and then having some sponsors can uh, offset the cost of such a trip uh, quite a bit. Yeah. I Look, I just started to brain brainstorm. Um, I, I guess I, I'm fairly resourceful like that. And so my gym membership, that was actually a part sponsorship. Um, and the camper van company, Escape Camper Vans, they offered me a contra deal in return for social media marketing because uh, I, I have fairly good social market, social media marketing skills So, um, and also stock images of the vehicle as I travelled. Um, so, you know, I've taken photos of the vehicle at the Mojave Desert and things for them to use in their f- future marketing. Um, but, look, I, I basically... I made a list of, look, what do I need on the trip? And I need I needed things like food, accommodation, um, <clears throat> fuel. And I basically, I contacted anybody and everybody and I got a lot of no's, um, a lot of no's. And that, that's okay. 
And I also got a lot of people that never actually replied. Um, and look, I targeted people like Whole Foods, Mobile for Fuel. Um, I just, I just really brainstormed, and and I guess that's the thing. You, the more people you ask, the more likely you're going to get a yes at some point. Mm. Um, so I, I had my Anytime Fitness. I had the camper van, and I had a women's um, fitness clothing company give me some items to wear in the US. Um, they're called Sonsi Women. That's an Australian company, and I also had a Think Tank camera bag. So it, you know, those little things really helped. They really helped my journey, um, and it was it. It was I, I guess um, for me, I, I considered myself to be a bit of an entrepreneur, and my trip became like a business. I yeah. treated it like a business, and that's I guess where the sponsorship idea came from. And I think you also know how to talk to companies in, in that respect. I mean, and you still get a lot of no's, but as they say, if you if you never ask, you never get. That's right. That's right. And I, I guess. Um, It, it is. You've got to ask, and that's probably where my, some of my writing skills come into play because I did have to write very convincing emails, yeah, um, you know, to ask for such a big thing. Um, and also, I had to have a bit of social proof. So I've been published. My writing's been published a few times here in the Australian um, women's magazine called Mamma Mia. It's an online magazine. It has quite a huge readership and I've got a, you know, an, an okay, okay following on Facebook and things. So using all that together, I, I was able to demonstrate that my audience has a potential to be reached yeah. and to provide yeah. marketing opportunities. So I yeah. think it's, it's very important to, to craft a, a well-written letter of introduction to, to somebody you want to approach instead of maybe just writing, hey, I'm here, I'm on Facebook as so-and-so, will you let me use your camper van for six weeks for free? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah look, not going to. <laughs> I, I did, I had to write, you know, proper proposals. Um, and some of the companies that I applied through have guidelines and templates that mm -hmm. are really quite rigorous. Um, mobile, for example, they, they wanted a lot, uh, a lot of information. Um, and... They're, they're, that's really big sky kind of dream. I never anticipated in, the, in my wildest dreams that they would say yes and they didn't. Um, you know, they're sponsoring people like famous race car drivers. So, yeah. but look, maybe next time. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk a bit more about the, the trip itself uh, rather than the preparation and, uh, and the budget. So you, you said you landed in L.A. How was your first uh -huh. uh, contact with the U.S. and the American way of living? <laughs> Okay, so I landed in L.A. Um, the the Wi-Fi at L.A. was terrible, so I was really shut off from the world instantly when really I wanted to do was just tell everybody that I'd landed safely. Um, and I was confronted by an arrest really quickly of, of a passenger from another flight. So, um, you know, to be in L.A. for five minutes and see somebody get arrested, that, that's not, not very traumatic. It wasn't traumatic, but it was an eye-opener. Um, not the best welcome. But... Yeah, <laughs> no. But look, and, and then after that, um, I, I met quite a few Aussies in the airport, which was really quite hilarious. Okay. So the, probably the first five people I spoke to in LA were either Spanish-speaking or they were from Australia as well. So um, it wasn't until I went to pick up the vehicle um, an hour later that I started to it sort, of, sort of hit home, hey, I'm in another country now and I have no idea where I'm about to go to. <laughs> So, so, yeah, interesting experience. And you started driving on the wrong side of the road. 
Yeah, look, that that was really difficult. <laughs> As you can imagine, the camper van was quite a wide vehicle, uh, very heavy to handle, not what I'm used to driving. Um, and people think that driving on the other side of the road is really easy. Even I, whenever somebody would give me advice, would just kind of scoff and roll my eyes and think, oh, yeah, what do you think? I'm, I, don't, I know what I'm doing. I can drive. Um, but it's the little things you don't think of. It's it's the giving way when you're turning uh, left instead of turning right and, you know, those mm-hmm. sort of things that are really different to the way we hear, we drive here in Australia. And um, I had a situation somewhere on the California coast. I was photographing some monarch butterflies and um, I pulled over on the side of the freeway to go chase these butterflies and I stepped out of the car without actually looking. I looked the wrong way as I was crossing the road in Australia um, and I'm just lucky that I wasn't collected by a vehicle. So mm-hmm. it, it's these sort of things that you, you just do so almost on autopilot, so subconsciously that it can put, you, put your life at risk. Um, and, look, I wasn't the world's greatest driver for the first couple of days. The people in LA were pretty cranky with me for especially the first day. I did receive a lot of, um, you know, horn honking um, things. <laughs> but that's okay. I survived and yeah, so yeah. did they. It happens to yeah. me as well when I when I yeah. go like to the UK and I have to adapt myself to driving on the other side of the road the first few hours. Or I drive very slowly and I'm very careful at crossroads and so on, so people maybe yeah. start getting yep. a bit upset with me. <laughs> My biggest problem, I think, is a line of sight issue where the car would just slowly drift mm-hmm. to the right-hand side. And I think that's just how your eyes visually would line up the lines on the road. Um and the interesting thing is I, since being back from the States, I've only been back for two months, but I I still feel like the Australian way is not normal anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been a couple of times where I've had to think twice. So I think that I, I, I mean, I did over um, nearly 8,000 Ks, uh, 8,000 miles when I was in the US. So that's obviously imprinted in my brain somehow and will probably be with me for a very long time. Um Sometimes when I'm driving in my car, I honestly feel like I'm on the wrong side of the road or I'm on the wrong side of the car. It's a really strange feeling. But, you know, um, it, it is what it is and it's it's been a great experience. And I've got an international driver's license now, so that's good. <laughs> great. So what after LA? Where did you go to? Uh, what other places did you visit? With, with uh, which people did you meet? So um, I didn't, the first night I didn't really, I only spent one night in LA, then headed straight up to San Francisco um, and, you know, photographed the traditional things like the Golden Gate Bridge, um, the Painted Ladies where they filmed, where they filmed a few movies up in... um, It's uh, Alamo Square. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And I think I probably spent a couple of days sort of around the area. Um, And then from San Francisco, I headed back down towards LA uh, and from there into Las Vegas. Um, so, you know, across the Mojave Desert into Las Vegas. Uh, and then after Las Vegas, I headed down south along the Highway 10, I think it is, and basically stayed southward bound um, all the way to Florida. So um, I spent a lot of time in Texas, about a week in Texas. Uh, I went to Austin, um Houston and Dallas and actually when I was in Austin I caught up with a group of photographers called Click and Drink Uh and we um, you know did a a photo walk which was really good really really good good to 
uh, hang out with some your, locals. Um, destinations, your stops along with the way determined more by the people you you intended to meet or more about the locations you wanted to see? Uh, I had to weigh it up um, because I needed to get photos of the van in recognizable mm. places, but I also had my goal of meeting all of my friends from Facebook and it kind of worked out really well. So um, it, it, it seemed like the two, the two goals just merged together really mm. nicely. Uh, but where I was traveling was really kind of directed by how do I feel that day, how, how tired am I and how far away is the next gym. Um, I used the Anytime Fitness app to basically determine where my next stop was. Um, and really it was about kind of, for me, chasing the sunset and chasing. I, I'd like to do my street photography uh, in the golden hours, I guess. Um, and so I'd kind of plan my day around that uh, as well. So you or when did, I'm driving. Yeah, sorry. Sorry. <clears throat> you said you were um, after street photography. That means more of an urban setting. But you also uh -huh. went up and shot the the sunset and the sunrise, which speaks to me more of a nature setting yeah. and so on. Were you chasing both or did you have something more specific in mind? A uh, bit of both. So my landscapes, um, would I would try to always do sort of at sunset um, and I would do my landscapes as I was driving on the freeways mm. or the highways um, and if I saw a beautiful sunset, I'd stop and pull over. Uh, Arizona, for example, um, was gorgeous. A, lo a lot of um, empty buildings, a lot of empty homes and that sort of thing, um, really beautiful landscape. Um, so that's what I did but even in my street photography, I mean I, I love street photography at all times of the day but during – sunset or sunrise I like to play with the sun in the images as well as much as I do uh, when I'm shooting landscapes so uh, for example when I was in Hollywood I would notice where the sun you know, is bouncing off windows and things um, it adds another element and it creates interesting shadows with the subjects so I guess that's my style really um, Even when I'm doing portraits here in Melbourne, I do a lot of sunset sessions. It's sort of my thing, really. I see. So you ended up in uh, New York, and from there, you did you drive back to, to L.A., or did you just little, let the camper down there? No, and, and yeah, fly? yeah. I left the camper in New Jersey. So oh. I um, from um, Florida, I actually drove through the Corn Belt of the U.S., all the way up to um, Chicago, and that was a two-day drive, really long hours, um, interesting countryside as well. Um, and then from Chicago, I went down to D.C., Philadelphia, um, and then New York City as well. So the um, the depot for the camper van was yeah, in New Jersey, and I just had to catch a subway to the airport on the last day. Mm -hmm. So you drove um, uh, your camper through the streets of New York. That that must have yes, been quite an experience. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look, yeah, I did. And I've actually, I've got a lot of GoPro footage that I'm still working through um, from the trip. Um, I tried to have the GoPro going on as much as possible. But yeah, yeah. Look, I think I was driving for six weeks. So the time I got into New York, I was quite comfortable just driving mm. around in the city. Um, you know, I spent some time in the meatpacking district and then I went down to Manhattan, central Manhattan. So, um, yeah, it was interesting. Mm -hmm. um, I drove across the, I think, the Brooklyn Bridge or the one next to it and, mm -hmm. you know, in some tunnels. 
I think I drove everywhere in New York, actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's good fun. can be a bit crazy. You know, I've, uh, I've never driven in New York myself. I've been driven around by taxis and, and cars and others. And yeah, it's uh-huh. an interesting <laughs> yeah. thing to say so. I cannot well, imagine how it feels like driving in a, in a big camper van. It gives me a bit of power, maybe. Um, if I was in a smaller car, probably I wouldn't have been so confident. But yeah. you know, get I, out of my way. I'm yeah, get out of my way. And it, look, it, the camper van I was driving had you know giant daisies all over it, uh-huh. so it looked like a bit of a hippie van. And I guess it, it, it stood out quite a lot, so people would probably move out of their way for me. Um, yeah, the other thing I didn't, I, I did get to go to Times Square in New York, but uh-huh. I'd plan on I'd planned on driving up that street in the camper van, but I actually ran out of time to do that. And I would have loved to have got an image of the car in Times Square, but we missed out. So that's another next time project probably. So you said you had a GoPro with you. What other kind of equipment did you bring? Um, Well, my kit's actually pretty basic. Um, So I took a GoPro and I've got a Nikon D800 and I took only one lens, which was 24 to 70. Mm. Um, and really, that's such a good general purpose lens. Um, I, I think that traveling in a camper van, there is a bit of a security risk. I probably wouldn't want to take much more than that. Uh, I was tending to, you know, carry everything with me when I left the, the car rather than leave equipment in the vehicle. Yeah, it makes, I did take, it makes sense. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it's, to me, it's a little bit safer, I guess. Um, I did take a tripod with me, but that broke, so that got left um, along the way. And... I didn't even really take any filters or anything, so my kit was really quite minimal. Mm-hmm. And speaking of safety, did you ever feel unsafe traveling as a woman alone? Um, no, probably no. Um, and whether that's me being completely naive or too brave, I don't really know. Um, I, I did things to make sure that I was safe. So mm. I used an app on on my iPhone so that people could track where I was and uh, a couple of friends and my mother as well at her insistence had access to the app so she could see that I was moving and stuff and not lost or if I did get lost or go missing or something, they would be able to find me. Um, and anytime fitness have, because it's a 24-hour gym, they have these personal security devices that you wear when you're in the gym after hours and I was actually using those in the van, so I would take mm. one into my van overnight just in case that mm. something did happen. There was a panic button. Um, but I actually, look, I felt very safe. There was a time I did drive through San Bernardino on the day that there was a mass shooting there. That was fairly confronting. Mm. Um, and there was also another time when I was driving through Tennessee that there was a hurricane and that was um, also a really, really. In- that was probably scary, but that was more so the weather rather than the people. Than the people, uh, yeah. But I see yeah. on your profile picture here that you have a nice big dog. I guess you didn't bring him or her with you. <laughs> <laughs> that might have no, I, I actually really wanted to. There's a few. I've seen a few articles go around on the internet of uh, a guy who travels with his. It's a very similar dog. Um, he's got a like a mixed wolf breed. My dog's an Alaskan Malamute and. I would have loved to have done the, the same trip but with her as well and really make her a feature of the images because she's so beautiful to photograph. Yeah, I can imagine. My favorite subject. Yeah, she's my favourite subject probably. Um, 
But just the logistics of, you know, traveling alone and then leaving a dog in the vehicle if I if I did want to go out for dinner or even, um, you know, be social. So, and plus her flights were about triple the, the cost of my mm. flight. So, <laughs> so it was just, it, it was just too hard, too hard. Yeah, yeah, of course. So what was the best thing that happened to you on your trip? Oh, okay. That's that's a really great question. Um, many there were many many wonderful things. Obviously, the friendships that I formed, um, the connections that. So there were the new friendships, the the new friendships that I formed, but also the the firming of the connections of the people that I knew online. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the my connections with people was one of the best things. Um, but one of the most exciting random things that happened was when I was in Texas. I. Um, was invited to a cookie swap um, from some local women that live in Conroe in, I guess that's rural Texas. And I went to the cookie swap and the women were talking and I heard in the pipeline that there was a uh, wolf sanctuary. And being a dog lover, I've got my, as we talked about, my Alaskan Malamute, I I wanted to go to this wolf sanctuary and actually check it out. So I did. Uh, I took a friend with me and... We were invited into the private residence of the Wolf Sanctuary's home and she was an incredible woman. She was, according to her, she was closer to 90 than 80 and she had lived a fantastic life. So um, I spent about an hour in her home, probably closer to two hours actually, just photographing her and talking to her and listening to her stories and she had two pet wolves that were actually with us at the time. So... I've got some incredible images of this elderly woman and her pet wolf and the connection between the two, it's just, it's incredible. Um, that was probably the most amazing thing, just talking to this incredible woman and listening to the things that she'd done in her life. She she at one point had a pilot licence and had flown solo. Um, she'd lived in Zambia. Um, she, she, she just had this incredible life um, and just meeting her just felt like, I guess a blessing. Um, it was really, truly incredible. Incredible woman. Yeah. So if this was an interesting question, let, let's see what you think of the next one. And I understand if you don't want to answer because you only want to carry the, the good memories with you, but what was the worst thing that happened to you on your trip? Oh, um, I mean, it's okay worst? if you... No, well... <laughs> everything was very good. <laughs> well, no, because you know what? Not everything isn't always very good. And yeah. I think when you are a travel photographer, you've got to be realistic that, that bad things will happen. And this is something that I discussed with Valerie. Um, you you kind of have to be mentally prepared. And when I was on the road, my pet cat actually died. Um, so mm. I got a phone call. Uh, actually, the timing of it, I can look back now and laugh, but I was actually in a taxi in Austin on my way to meet the group from Click and Drink. Um, and my phone rang and it was an Australian number and so I answered and it was my girlfriend to tell me that my cat had died. And it, it just, it, it kind of shook me. So I had, I, you know, I had five minutes to deal with that before meeting, you know, this, this group of 20 photographers in Austin and go on this photo walk. And so I kind of, the, the taxi pulled up at the bar we were meeting at and I got out of the taxi and I said, hi, I'm Sheree, I'm from Australia and my cat just died. And <laughs> It wasn't the greatest of introductions, and I and I was, you know, vis- visibly upset. But I think just uh, it was. It's hard to lose an animal, but just knowing that the cat, um, 
he died when I wasn't home or when my kids weren't home. That was just really difficult to deal with and just not being there. Uh, and that was probably the first moment that I had while I was traveling that I actually contemplated going, oh, I give up. I want to go home now. This is, this is too much. Um, and that was probably the worst moment. Okay. Thank you I for think. your honesty and openness about this. Oh, that's okay. Very much appreciated. So do you have any other similar trips planned for the future? Any other continents you would like to visit? Oh, look, uh, nothing in concrete. Um, but I, look, I want, I want to go everywhere. I, I would definitely like to do a trip like this at least yearly. Um, I'm trying to just basically sort things out so that I can be, I guess, a bit of a digital nomad and just spend a lot more time traveling. Um, and as my kids grow, get older, that, that becomes more of a reality. So, uh, look, I imagine that I'll be going somewhere. I know that the UK, I would love to do um, the coast-to-coast walk or the coast and castles walk and photograph that. Um, but, look, I think put me on a plane and I'll go anywhere mm-hmm. and photograph anything, really. I just – anywhere. <laughs> um, Africa is somewhere that I've always wanted to go to. I've always wanted to do a bit of documentary stuff over there too. So, look, I just – I'm only just really starting out in travel photography and this whole, I guess, worldwide photography. So at this point, I would go anywhere. Okay. So thank you um, for being uh, my guest today. It's been really interesting. Uh, We want to really see those photos of the the wolves with the elderly lady at the sanctuary on your blog someday. (laughs) I hope you will find the time to put it all together. Oh, look, it's a a good friend of mine said to me that, you know, when you get home, take a month or two just to really contemplate about things before you write about Mm. it, Um, which was probably really good advice because I can really get clear in my mind what I need to do. And, yeah, the the woman and her wolves, that that will be a blog post soon. Let's hope. Very soon. Uh, It was a moment. um, yeah, where people will uh, will be able to find it. Where is your website? Can you just uh, tell us yeah, where people so can find more about you online in general? Sure. My my website is um, Cherie McKay, C-H-E-R-I-E-M-C-K-A-Y dot com. Um, or people can find me easily on you know Instagram or Twitter and those accounts always link back to my blog and even to my Facebook page and things. So my Instagram handle is Cherie and Boys because I've got sons, so that should be how okay. people find it. Okay, thank you. We'll put link uh, links to the, your various online presences in the in the show notes, so people can uh, uh, know where to find you. And uh, yeah, again, thanks for uh, for being with us today. Is there anything else you would like to to add or mention before we close this uh, interview? Oh. Um- no. <laughs> no, it's okay. <laughs> no, yeah. uh, look, I, I've got something interesting happening that I'm working on. Um, I had my own range of camera bags for women a couple of years ago. We talked about this already, but um, I'm currently working on something that should be released towards the end of the year. So I guess stay tuned for that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. So all the best luck for your uh, enterprises and ventures. Thank you. And your Thank next you trips. Much. I hope they turned out to be as awesome as this one was and it was really interesting to to, to hear you talk about it and, uh, oh thank you well thank you for having me on as a guest it was my pleasure you're welcome goodbye and take care
Thank you very much. Bye.